It's Monday the 6th of September 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. My guest this week is the writer, marketer, mum and climate crisis fighter Natalie Ouellet. Welcome to you. Thanks, Alex. Um, now, this week, a Skaftárhlaup, which is a Jökulhlaup glacial flood from the Skaftár River, began on Wednesday. The traditionally small flood from the western meltwater reservoir was joined this weekend by a traditionally much bigger flood from the eastern reservoir. The glacial ice has sagged by over 20 metres so far, but the flood still hasn't reached the low ground. Its destructive force could peak on Wednesday. The football scandal has rumbled on since last week with resignations, exclusions, steppings to one side and two national team World Cup qualifiers under the shadow of a dark cloud. On the pandemic front, the infection rate continues to drop and the health minister says further relaxation of rules may be appropriate, though there is nothing formal on the table just yet. In the meantime, though, the Iceland Airways Festival has been postponed for a second year running. With roughly two and a half weeks until the Althingi election, representatives of all ten parties standing participated in the first of two live televised debates last week. And the latest poll results uh, still offer the tantalising possibility of nine of them achieving the 5% required of votes needed to get members into Parliament. Women's cancer screening is in an unwelcome spotlight yet again, uh, but this time it's breast cancer screening that is suffering delays following a big shake-up to the service. In other hospital news, Landspitali has contracted with a private clinic to carry out between one and 200 operations to help them cut waiting lists. It's the first such contract ever in Iceland with a private company, uh, but it may well not be the last. And finally, a topic I know Natalie is going to want to talk about later in the show. It's the fifth annual Plastlös September, or Plastic Free September, a campaign encouraging people to think about plastic use and try to reduce their consumption this month and all year. As I say, more on that later. Um, but which news story would you like to begin with, Natalie? Um, okay, how about we start with the COVID stuff, since I'm currently in quarantine with a COVID positive person in my home. <laughs> yep, that sounds like <laughs> it's, it's the topic of the last year and a half. It's very it close really to home. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Luckily, um, it was my six-year-old who tested positive and she's been asymptomatic. Uh, The rest of us haven't gotten it. So, um, yeah, we're just going with the flow here. But I've noticed in the news that um, the people that are testing positive, for the most part now, I mean, we hear a lot in the news that it's unvaccinated people. But um, what I guess we're, we're starting to hear more and more about is that it's a lot of it is with kids. Yeah, three out of five are under 30, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them so, children. Yeah, I know that it's um, it's made its way through a couple of schools. Uh, what was it, two weeks ago was the first week of school officially for elementary schools. So um, I know that there were a lot of uh, a lot of parents that were in quarantine with their kids last week and like across, across the city um, and some parents who are in quarantine with their kids who are in isolation because they tested positive so um yeah it's 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 a scary thing but it's also a good thing because um at least for me because I feel like I don't have to worry about it anymore (laughs) um exactly Do, uh, do you feel like um obviously you don't really have a choice in this but do you feel like you're sort of doing your bit to to keep people protected from covid because 
as much as we say like things are getting back to normal, if it comes into your household, they're really not. You 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 know the quarantine and isolation rules are not changed, are they? No, no, exactly. And um, I was kind of surprised. We we got some kind of mixed information in the beginning, and then in the middle, um, we thought that the three of uh, the other family members would who tested negative when my six year old tested positive. We thought we would only be in quarantine for seven days, but because we were isolating with her, um, our quarantine is actually 10, well, technically 11 days. Like we're, we're in isolation one day more than her. Um, and we have to take a, we have to get a negative test. Um, I think, yeah, you know, we certainly feel a huge responsibility, I know for our family um, to kind of do our part in uh, curbing the spread. Um, unfortunately, we found out kind of late that uh, our daughter had been exposed. So um, uh, unfortunately, her entire class had to spend last week in quarantine. Um, I mean, you know, what are you, what are you going to do in these kinds of situations, right? The guilt is pretty heavy, but um, you try to make people aware as quickly as possible when you do find out. Mm. Um, yeah, so so I mean, we're trying to stop the spread by by isolating and quarantining and doing all the things we're being told to do. Um, my husband and I are both fully vaccinated. Um, we were uh, two of the people that had the Janssen vaccine at the beginning of the summer. And so we just received our booster shots actually like exactly two weeks ago uh, when we found out about the positive uh, test for my daughter. So um, we felt really, really lucky that uh, we at least had that level of protection. Mm, absolutely. Two weeks into the new school year. Um, so they were sort of preparing for a big spike, another spike in infections. That didn't seem to happen, um, largely because they're so on the ball with <laughs> making people stay at home, I guess. Um, yeah, I think up. so. Yeah, people people seem to be, um, you know, erring on the side of caution with this, which is which is a really big, um, which is really reassuring. Uh, you know, I, I really do feel like here in Iceland, we're kind of, we're all in this together, um, which is more than I could say for probably other countries that I've been, you know, seeing in the news and stuff like that. You know, you see massive protests and people not wanting to wear masks or, um, you know, things like that. And I mean, I'm sure there are people here that, you know, that believe these things that are kind of going on um, you know, this, this propaganda that, you know, the masks don't work or that, you know, COVID is a hoax, whatever. But um, I really do feel like the majority of things are really under control. And I mean, my faith in Thorolvur and the authorities are just like immense. Mm. I, I have I have the utmost gratitude and respect for them and whatever they say goes. Yep, absolutely. Um, the yeah. figures for today are quite encouraging. Again, there were 26 new cases. Okay. Um, a majority of them in quarantine already. Um, and, awesome. And, yeah, and the number of tests taken yesterday, even though it was a Sunday, was, you know, relatively high as well. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it does seem to be going in the right direction still. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as a parent, I know that a lot of, there have been a lot of conversations last year and this year, um, you know, what do we do about kids? Like, kids catch colds, you know, like wildfire I mean it's just they're for a period of time in their life it just feels like they're just constantly sick during the winter months mm. um so it's kind of you know it's hard as a parent to know when um 
to go get tested, right? And what what are the symptoms and things like that that we should be looking out for? But I think I think for the most part, parents are being really, really responsible about this. So it's good to see that there's um, these high numbers of, of tests happening, um, you know, and that people are just being on the safe side with it. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. The health minister, Svante Svavosdottir, has talked about it might be the time to reduce the restrictions still further. My question is, how is what's possible to do that would still be effective if there are going to be any restrictions at all? Because um, we're already at 200 people, possibly 500 at certain pre-approved events. Right. Um, I suppose the next one probably on the list is, is opening bars and clubs and restaurants later, I suppose. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I feel like every time that they have opened the bars, um, it's kind of been this huge explosion, right, of, mm. of cases all of a sudden. Um, and other, you know, there have been other events that have kind of happened around opening of bars and stuff. But um, I know there's a few stores now, uh, which shall remain nameless, that have um, now made masks uh I guess not obligatory, you know, Mm. um, everyone has a choice. Um, and so there are a lot of public stores that seem to be jumping on this bandwagon of, um, you know, removing the mandates of masks. Well, they didn't have the legal obligation to anyway. It was their choice, wasn't it? That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, within certain square meters and all of that, I guess. Right. Yep. Um, Okay. Unless you've got anything else to add on that, um, let's take your mind off COVID for a minute and go on to a different topic. Because um, there's so much been going on this week. Obviously, there's this huge, potentially destructive flood. Um, yes. There's the election. There's the football, the soccer thing going on. And all of mm-hmm. that before we get onto plastic. So um, where would you like to go next? Uh, let's go on to the, uh, the elections. Yeah. Um, did you watch the debate? I watched bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I have to say my uh, Icelandic is, is, is a bit rough um, and I am not uh, capable of voting yet. Um, so uh, I, I kind of watch the politics from afar for now. Um, yeah. You know, I, I should probably pay a little bit closer attention. Um, although I have looked into, you know, the different parties and what they're offering and things like that. And so yeah, it's very interesting coming from a, a country like Canada where we don't have what is it 10 parties mm. um yeah we only have we only have three or four really uh so yeah so it's, it's interesting to see the different platforms of everyone i know that um there was big talk during the at the beginning of the debate about um the kind of coalition that's happened in the last few years um between three of the parties um so i know that they kind of had to clear that elephant in the room uh from the get-go Mm-hmm. And those three parties could very well, if the polls proved to be right, they could have the opportunity at least to carry on after the election. But, yeah, mm. yeah. And I mean, what uh, Catherine Jakobstor did and, and, and uh, the two other parties were saying was that, um, well, it's worked out, hasn't it? Right. Um, it's worked well so far, so um, they don't see why they wouldn't consider the possibility of that in the future. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I 
I definitely have to agree with her there that it has it has seemed to be a, a very successful um, partnership between the three parties. Um, and that's that's kind of what you want to see. You want to be able to see that, OK, you know, are people getting along or are people's needs being met um, at the highest level of government and things like that. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Definitely. I think um, I think a lot of uh, the Icelanders uh, who are eligible to vote that I've had a, a, a talk with, um, there's a lot of options to explore. And um, especially uh, since we're still in a pandemic, really, um, we're still navigating through that. I think this is an important election to see um, where Iceland takes it from here, right? Um, I think the majority of Icelanders are pretty happy with the way the government has handled um, the pandemic. Um, and, you know, again, being a foreigner living in Iceland, for me, I've, I've felt pretty fortunate to be here in, in a place where the government is, um, you know, handling it well, the, the proper authorities are, are making good calls and considering not only the physical health of uh, society, but also mental health. Mm. One question I've heard raised is, as you say, most people do seem to be broadly pleased or at least accepting of the way the crisis has been handled. Uh, but then the other question is, are any other parties offering anything different or do they mostly agree? And it seems to be a little bit more the latter. There is quite a lot of cohesion politically and and in the wider society. Um, there aren't that many radical alternatives no. on offer. No, it, you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to be. It seems like everyone's on the same page as this. Uh, on this, um, which is which is a relief because um, you know if you had people kind of protesting or um, uh, uh, trying to push other kind of agendas onto it, then you know that might take away from uh, just focusing on the task at hand and just doing what we need to do. Right. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it played out. I think um, in general, people have been very happy with Katrin Jakobsdottir. She's, um, you know, uh, she's she's very good at what she does. But I think um, one of the things that I also like about her is that she's very human. Uh, you know, and you often don't see that about politicians. I mean, I just, I think back to that one video of her uh, when she was on a Zoom call with a journalist and that big earthquake hit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that's kind of nice to see that, you know, um, uh, uh, that someone's just, they feel scared mm. when an earthquake comes. And, you know, she's been very open with um, her, her, you know, her life as, a, as the prime minister, her life as a mother, her life as um, just, you know, uh, an Icelandic uh, citizen. And um, yeah, really, I, I, I wish her the best of luck. Mm. Now, mm. like you say, she is probably quite popular, quite well liked as a, as a prime minister and as a politician. Her party is not leading the polls. Um, and no, okay. she's coming to the end of a four-year coalition uh, deal with three very different parties that wouldn't necessarily traditionally work together. Yeah. And it's the first three-party coalition that's ever made the full four years, despite that. Yes. And they've done so yes. with a popularity rating, which is higher than the three parties individually combined, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they're doing something right, even to people that don't support them on a party level. 
Absolutely. Which is a good position for them to be going into the election. Um, and then, of course, they've got the opposition parties. The socialists have come in very strong because they're a new party. They're not in Parliament already. Uh, they're probably the right. standout, I think. Yeah. And um, funny, I was I was looking at their website uh, uh, earlier and um, they had a whole English side of their website, which I thought was interesting because not all of the parties have um, English uh, websites. But um, it's very, you know, I, I'm very interested to see where that where that goes. Um, you know, uh, I think I think uh, had I, you know, had I been eligible for voting this year, hopefully I will be for the next election. But um, I would definitely be digging a lot deeper and seeing what these new parties like the Socialist Party are bringing to the table. Um, you know, that's one of the things that I love about the electoral system in Iceland is that you've got such a wide variety of parties, you know, between the, the left and the right. Right. And um, yeah, Socialist Party. I mean, I don't know if I would ever see if you would ever see anything like that in North America um, or, you know, other other countries. So, uh, well, I think so yeah. in the US, at least it's it's a bit of a dirty word, isn't it? Socialism. It is. It definitely is. And uh, I mean, for me personally, I guess I guess people would assume Bernie Sanders is a socialist. Yeah, I think he's um, one of the few that's open about that. Most other people yeah, would sort of hide yeah. the definition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you say about the system itself, we've got the socialists. This is a new party coming in now. Before them was the pirates. They were a new party, pirates. a new fresh voice on the left that came in um, several elections ago now. And they're still there. They're still going strong. They haven't sunk and disappeared as many predicted. The same can be said of Vidres, the Reform Party, which is on the centre-right. Um, they were a breakaway new party, a, a fresh voice from the for the centre-right that you might have thought could have faded away and died out. They haven't done that. Mirth Flokorin, a little further to the right, um, the centre-party, David, uh, same with David Gunnlaugsson. Yeah. Same thing. Um, Still going strong. Yeah, well, uh, strong, arguably. I don't know. They they are sort of on the cusp. Yes. They're, they're, they're polling a little lower this time, but they will right. probably get in. Yeah. 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 Still going, at least. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if... I, it probably won't, but if this development carried on, we could have 20 parties next time. I, I'm sure that won't be the case, but it does seem that there is some sort of... some longevity to these to these new parties that perhaps there wasn't in decades gone by. Yeah. And I think um, I think that's a good thing. I think it's nice to see that they just don't kind of flicker flicker out, right? I think it's nice to see that a party evolves. Mm. Um, I know that um, you know follow, following uh, the evolution of the pirates. I mean, of course, at their core, um, they've always kind of remained, uh, you know, with the same values and and missions and things like that. But um, you know, their fearless leader retired. And um, other people have kind of continued to carry the torch. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's been interesting to see how they evolve as a party. They kind of start off as a bit of a small grassroots um, type of organization and then move into bigger once they get to know the landscape a little bit more and once things change in Iceland. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, <laughs> I find elections in Iceland to be just so fascinating only because there are so many players in the game. 
um, that it's really, uh, it's, it's hard to know which way it's going to go. And of course, election day isn't the end of the story as well, because then, right. then they start talking, then they start negotiating. Right. Yeah. It could be yeah. weeks until so we find out who's, who, who the government is. Exactly, exactly. If only it was it was as straightforward as the elections for the president here, right? Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, easy peasy. This is this is the person. And on the last one, it was I mean, it was almost just like automatically went to Goodney, but um, somebody else joined the race and and Goodney won the vast majority. Mm hmm. As was yeah. predictable. I think this is far less predictable when it comes to Alkinki. Exactly, exactly. So it's kind of funny to see the, the two different elections, the two major elections that go on and see the differences in them. Mm. I suppose that is a sign of the different functions that they play. I mean, the president being more of a figurehead, more of a right, yeah, figure of peace, yeah. an elected king, if you will. Um, right, exactly, exactly. But, you know, I mean, I, I would hope that... Um, you know, in the debates to come in the next couple of weeks that um, the government start addressing, um, you know, some, some real big questions about, like I said, like how Iceland as a country continues to move forward from, uh, you know, the damage done by COVID and things like that. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I just, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where the government stand on that kind of thing and how we move forward, how we move out uh, a stronger country for for what we've been through. Um, one of the subjects for debate in in the debate last week was um, climate change and the environment more generally. Um, mm -hmm. So I think maybe that's an opportune moment to move on to to your topic. The reason, in fact, that we brought you on the show today is Plastic September, um, <laughs> Plastic Free September, fifth year yes. this this has been running, and you are on mm -hmm. the I believe I'm right in saying the executive board is it this year or the yes. Yes, I am. I'm on the executive board, and um, I've. This is my second year with Plastic September, Plastic Free September, um, and we're an organization of people that are trying to raise awareness throughout the year, but especially in September, about um, single-use plastic use and reducing consumption, and um, you know. Uh, letting people know, giving, providing people with information, local information, you know, not just the big scary global numbers, making it more relatable to um, Iceland and, and what it is that we can do to affect change. Mm -hmm. um, playing devil's advocate for a moment, um, the law has mm -hmm. changed this year, um, banning a lot of single-use plastic. How does, that, sure how does that affect the need for your campaign or its emphasis? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because um, that was a big topic of discussion when we started discussing um, what kind of campaign we were going to be running this September. Um, and I think uh, for a lot of people, um, you know, you kind of think, oh, well, single-use plastic has been taken care of now, so we can all move on with our lives. Um, the thing is, is that plastic is in so many things that we, we use. Um, some of which we don't even know. Like, did you know that there's plastic in fabric softener? <laughs> no, uh, I really micro, didn't. Microplastic. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, you know, uh, I know I've, I've, I've run into a lot of people that use a lot of fabric softener, you know, fabric softener on their baby's clothes. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's microplastics in uh, things like baby's bottles. Um, there's microplastics in canned foods. 
Um, so we're, we're shifting the focus. I know uh, Plus Ray September kind of started off with this effort to, you know, encourage people to bring reusable bags to the grocery store so that you weren't using that single-use plastic bag. And now that um, the laws have thankfully changed, um, I mean, it, you know, it doesn't just stop there. There's more work to do. There's more awareness to be um, to be raised, and we try to run campaigns that aren't necessarily, you know, scaring people into this doom and gloom. Because I know a lot of the conversations around climate crisis can can sound that way. Um, we're we're here to offer solutions. Um, we're here to um, solve problems and um, also to seek out, you know, businesses. Um, within Iceland who are, who are doing good. Um, I'm, I'm also on the board of uh, Blauskelin Award, which is um, an award handed out every year for, you know, an innovative company that is uh, making a difference in the environment. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 there's always work to be done when it comes to plastic, just because the plastic bags and the plastic straws are gone. Um, that's just one of a large, large list of plastic uh, that needs to be um, eradicated, mm. I guess we could say. Packaging for food is a massive one. Uh, yeah. and, and that doesn't seem to be decreasing as fast as we would like, if at all. Um, my question, therefore, is what can we do about that, given that so much of this packaging is imported? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I mean, you know, we can't expect people to live a completely plastic free life. Um, and, you know, uh, I can say for myself, I don't live a completely plastic free life. Um, I find it very difficult. Um, you know, when I go to the grocery store and I look at, let's say, for example, red peppers um, and my two options for red peppers in an Icelandic supermarket is one that's been flown in from Holland or Spain, um, you know, from overseas um, and it comes in a big batch and I don't know if it's organic. Well, I'm assuming it's not organic. Um, or my other option is a seasonal red pepper um, from Iceland that comes in plastic packaging. Um, so which one, which one do I go for? Do I go with the one that's just probably had a huge carbon footprint being flown over here in a plane? Or do I take the one that was grown locally but is wrapped in plastic that can't necessarily be recycled? Mm. Um, it's, it's a really tough call. I mean, you can't always avoid it. Um, I think what it comes down to is this idea of um, consuming less. Um, you know, uh, um, and there, there are ways, there are, there are habits that people need to change. Say for example, plastic packaging of um, uh, dish soap. Let's just take that as an example. That's something you can't avoid. You have to get it in plastic. Although now there's a lot of glass options available as well. Um, instead of every time that you run out of dish soap, um, you go to one of the many stores in Iceland that have refillable solutions. You take your plastic bottle, like for myself, I've had the same two plastic bottles for my washing up liquid. I've had them for about six years now. Um, and I've never bought another dish soap bottle because I just keep going back and getting it refilled. Um, so I think it's just a matter of changing your, changing your, uh, your patterns, changing your uh, buying habits, 
uh, and finding ways to consume less. And yeah, being aware of it. Yeah. What is yeah, it about definitely. September? Why why is it September? Why is it one month? Um, why is it's, it, you know, why? why? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, so actually how the group started was um, some women uh, who were neighbors who were having a potluck dinner. They all, they had a regular potluck dinner. Um, I think it was monthly or something like that. And they got together one night and they were talking about how helpless they felt about the environment. You know, um, any kind of awareness that wasn't really happening around them. And they were kind of doing their own research on their own. And one of them had mentioned this, um, this organization in Australia called Plastic Free July. Um, and so the, the idea kind of grew from there. But the women knew that having Plastic Free July wouldn't exactly work in Iceland because um, everyone's gone in July. <laughs> so um, they decided to make it September, you know, make it when everybody's going back to school, everybody's back into it and, um, you know, give it a good go uh, kind of at the beginning of school year, I guess you could say. Um, and that so that's why we've also worked um, in close collaboration with Umkverfistopnen, uh, the environmental agency. Um, so this was, this was a month where we, we all kind of came together and thought, yeah, that would be, that would be a good time. I mean, to me, if I had it my way, I would make it all year long. Uh, let's, let's not just try to focus on one month to reduce our plastic and reduce our consumption, but, um, it's kind of makes it, it, it makes it easier and more digestible to kind of make it a big spotlight for mm -hmm. one month. Um, on our website, we have, um, you know, calendars of like 30 day challenges of what you can do um, that lists, you know, what you can do every day to kind of make a difference and reduce your, your plastic, um, which yeah, can be found on our website. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of good to think of it all nicely packaged into one month talking of packaging <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. um well there we go that's another busy news week behind us um unfortunately we're out of time but the week in iceland will be back next monday the 13th of september on roof.is forward slash english roof english on facebook through the roof app and your favorite podcast platform that just leaves me to thank my guest today natalie Ullet and also lydia grietestotir for running the studio now, we talked about doom and gloom. Um, uh, today's closing song is neither new nor Icelandic, um, but it is the first thing that came to my mind when I thought of Plastic Free September. It's a little-known song all the way from 1984. Uh, it's a lament for our treatment of the environment um, that I think most listeners probably won't have heard before. It's a little gloomy, sorry. Um, but it's also a very catchy tune. Uh, the song is called Roses, and it's by Nick Kershaw. Bye for now.